right, let me ask you this. How many of you know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? How many of you could give their God-given names? Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. I made it a point to myself after I'd studied this. I said, I will never call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego again. Because those were heathen names given to them by a pagan god. And they had godly parents. And listen, they had godly parents. You're about to find that out. Who gave them their names. And so, I don't have this in memory. So I got my little cheat sheet here. Let me share with you their names. Daniel's name given by his parents means... The word Daniel means God is my judge. But he came, became Belshazzar or Bel, which, which stands for Bel, protect the king. Hananiah's name given by his godly parents was the Lord is gracious. He became, uh, um, uh, his name was changed to Shadrach which means command of Akeu, another Babylonian god. Michelle's meaning is who is like the Lord. He was given the name of Michelle, which is who is, uh, who is what Achaiah is. And finally, Azariah, whose name their parents gave, the Lord is my helper, became Abednego, servant of Negro also called Nebo, a god of vegetation. And so the first thing that they do is they bring these young men in, they take their God-given names from them, and they give them new names. And from now on out, anybody that is involved with Nebuchadnezzar, that is the name that they're going to call them. So then it starts off in verse 8. It says, but Daniel resolved. Now, I want you to remember something. How old did I say these men were? Between 14 and 17. They have been, they have been moved away from Jerusalem to a foreign land. They're, they're captives. The king is offering the best food, the best drinks. And by the way, he's offering them everything of the best. And it says here, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Now, I want you to think about this. There's three things going to happen here. They're going to change their names. They're going to teach them the language. They're going to teach them the culture. They're also going to spoil them with food. Did you know that, that Daniel did not have a problem with his name being changed? Do you know that Daniel did not have a problem with the culture, learning the ways, learning the language? He took a stance on food. Why? Because he knew the dietary laws that he had been taught by his parents that God had given him clear back in Exodus. And so he knew that there were certain foods not to eat. There were certain foods that had to be paired a certain way or you didn't eat them. And, and you never would have ate anything that would have been part of the worship of another God. And so at 14 to 17, we have no idea of his age. 
Daniel resolves that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of eunuchs to to allow him not to defile himself. Now, this is an absolutely beautiful story. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief eunuch. And the chief of the eunuch said to Daniel, Daniel, you're asking me for something that scares me because if I give you your diet and you start looking worse than the rest of the 70, 71, then I'm going to be hanged over that. And so he says this, he says, and the chief of the eunuch said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you are worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would be endangering my head with the king. So then Daniel said to the steward, uh, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hanani, Michelle, and Azariah, he says, test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Now, it's also been brought up that this word vegetables has been used in other places to also be like wheat um, and, and barley. Uh, possibly there could have been uh, some grains involved. Now, it may have been just vegetables, uh, but it's also possible that they got wheat and barley, but it would have been in a different preparation. It would not have been anything of any meat. So he says, just test your servants. Then let out, in verse 13, then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this manner. Remember, why did he listen? Back in verse 9, God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. Listen, can, can you imagine? You, you are over these 75 people. King Nebuchadnezzar has entrusted this to you. And you've got this little guy coming to you, 14, 17, and saying, I don't want that food. And, and this eunuch is going, you don't understand. This is the best food in the land. This is the best drinks in the land. There's nothing better out here in the land. This is the best. And you don't want it? Daniel says, test us. Test us for just ten days. Test it. Verse 14 So he listened to them in this manner. And he tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the servant took away their food and their wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Verse 15, at the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance 
and fatter. The word fatter doesn't mean what we would consider the word fatter. The word fatter here means excellent, better, healthier than the others. Can you imagine this king, this eunuch that has been placed over them and he's testing four youth against the other seven some youth and the, the diets, these people are getting the best, these people are getting what he would consider the least. And after the ten days, this group of four is standing out in appearance better. If I was a eunuch, I'd go eat this diet. I'd give it up. Verse 17. As for these four youths, catch it again. God gave them learning and skill and all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had the understanding in all visions and dreams. God is sovereign in everything that he does. And, and these four men coming into a foreign country, they don't even, you know, have their parents been killed? We don't know. It? But it's possible their parents were killed. They're royalty. These are, this is the elite of the elite. And one of the ways that kings in that time, they would eliminate that is when they went in and killed a king, they went in and killed a king and everybody in his family as far down as they could find because they didn't want any of that family coming back to haunt them later trying to retaliate for what they had endured. And so we don't know what really happened to these kids' parents. But whatever did happen, listen, I hope you understand Think of what happened before they were captured. They had godly parents who taught them and taught them to the point that they were willing to trust God in a foreign country and not defile themselves. And they said, test us. And they tested them and they were better. And then they they come before the eunuch and and they, they go through this testing period and they are seen to be better than everyone else. Remember the, the verse where God says, you have not because you ask not. He also says, if anyone lacks wisdom, ask me and I will give it to you. It's not God's desire to hide this word from you. It's God's desire to open this word for you. Just every now and then, maybe every day, we need to come to him and go, I, I just don't get this. Show it to me. Help me to see. Verse 17, as for these four use, God gave them learning and skill and literature and wisdom and Daniel, the understanding of visions and dreams. And at the end of the time, at the end of what time? The three years. The three years of training. At the end of the time, so remember they come into 14 to 17, how old are they now? 17 to 20. Now you need to grasp that Because there's going to be a whole lot of people not like them because they're going to be elevated above them and they're just young punks. 
They're just young foreigners. They don't even grow up here. So he says this, at the end of the time when the king had commanded they should be brought into the chief of the eunuchs, brought them before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them. And among all of them, none was found. Seventy-five youth, none were found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They stood before the king. And in every manner of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them, listen, ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in his kingdom. And you have to understand these magicians and these enchanters, these are men of old, these are men of wisdom, these are men of experience. And they're from this land, they're, they're part of this kingdom. And he finds them to be better than any of them. Verse 21 says, And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. So in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 5 is going to deal with this period of being in Babylon under the head of Nebuchadnezzar. In chapter 6, King Cyrus of the Medes and the Persians is going to come in and conquer. And that's where Daniel will pick up with that empire. So, we're going to, we made it through one chapter tonight. We're just going to call it quits there. God's sovereignty over history should encourage you and again, as we, as we get into more of this and see this, it's just absolutely encouraging to see how God lays out the future beforehand through a prophet. In fact, there are many people, not many, there are a group of people who believe that Daniel was not the writer of Daniel because he's too perfect in the things he wrote. And he wrote about things after he died. Not that he wrote about it after he died. He wrote about it before he died, but they were things that happened after he died. And so what they're saying is, is there's no way Daniel could have known that. And so somebody else had to have written this book. But this is the sovereignty of God. And beautiful as it is, is how he has done it. And, and we get to witness this. And that's what I said. It's absolutely amazing to me. That Jeremiah writes the book of Jeremiah, and, and really, if you go back to Jeremiah, it's not a little book. Fifty-two chapters. I don't know about you, but you sit down and God in, instructs you to write this, and he breathes it through the Holy Spirit into your heart. And you have someone, he had another person write as he spoke it. And he writes 52 chapters. And when Daniel was, or Jeremiah is done, he feels good. Take it to the king. He doesn't like it. He burns it. And God says, rewrite it. I got some people in the future that need to hear this. 
In fact, what I'm going to give you in this book later comes from what Daniel read that Jeremiah wrote and he wouldn't have went to this if he hadn't been able to read what Jeremiah wrote and Jeremiah wouldn't have wrote it a second time unless God told him to because it was so important that he was preserving it for us. That's how important the word of God is to God. Man can do their part to try to destroy it. And, and, and listen, I've talked to Jim and I've talked to a few other people. In 1947, there was Dead Sea Scrolls that were found. 2,000 of them. Dating way back further than any scrolls we ever had. You're talking about how God preserves his word? It's amazing. So we go from having 500 to having 2,500 Many dated much later, and, and we can line them up and just see how perfect the Word of God is. That's what God does. He is sovereign over history. Now listen, if he is sovereign over history, and here he's actually sovereign over the future, but listen, he's still sovereign today. You do not have to fear the government we have today. Because they are in God's hands as his servant, whether they recognize it or know it or not. And so you can rest. God's in control. Now remember, do you think the people when Nebuchadnezzar came in and conquered them, do you think they would have thought, oh, this is good. This is perfect. They would not have. And so listen, today, you may think, man, we're in trouble with this government. No, we're not. Our God is sovereign over this government. What God is dealing with with us is our heart towards him. That's what he's doing. He doesn't want you to trust the government anyway. What do you think, I, I was talking with Cindy, what do you think the government wants to give you so much money right now? They want to buy you. They want to buy your vote. They want to buy your confidence. They want to buy you. They want to give it to me. I'm going to take it. But I don't trust them. But I trust God who is in control over them. And so whatever God is doing, I want to be on his side. Okay? I want to be on his side. And so we're going to, we're just going to walk through this book. Um, not, like I said, it's not a lot of chapters. Um, you're going to see, in fact, the book of Daniel is considered the book of Revelation of the Old Testament. When we get in chapter 9, uh, God's really going to lay it on thick. And you're going to have to put your thinking caps on. Because he's going to lay it out there way past what Daniel asked for. It's kind of like the, the Samaritan woman this morning. She asked for living water. Jesus wants to give her salvation. Daniel asked for God to restore them back to their land. And, they, and, and God answers by his angel, giving him the history of what's going to happen between now and when we meet Jesus and we come back with Jesus to rule on this earth in glory. That's how intense this book is. And it's a great book. Uh, well, first of all, it's, it's God's book. It's perfect. So God's sovereignty over history helps us to understand he's sovereign over today. And he doesn't want you to fret it, to be anxious about it, to worry. 
doesn't matter. In the, in the whole scheme of things, it doesn't matter. Remember what Job said? Naked I came into this world, naked I will leave. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job said that after all of his family was destroyed, after all of his wealth was taken, after his um, um, health was taken, and his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? And, and Job answers, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, when you go back and read the rest of the story, how did God take care of Job? Oh, man. But you know, it, that didn't ma- it didn't matter to Job, his riches, because do you remember the battle all began in, in heaven between God and Satan? Satan, have you seen my servant Job? What was Satan's response? Well, he's your servant because you've given him everything. You take it away from him, he'll curse you. The test was put together. Job's word is recorded for us. So, the Lord taketh, the Lord take, or the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's not ours anyway. It's his, right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I want to encourage you to trust him uh, every day. Um, enjoy this life that we have. And the only way we can do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us as he leads. Father, we pause tonight because of your marvelous grace.